Casper, you got me, buddy? Hey, you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, man. Loud and clear? Loud and clear. All right, so what I'll do is hit an intro. We'll get into it. Just talk about your, your career, obviously, some uh, some things that, you know, you went through, kind of your story, because everybody's is different. And then we'll, we'll just roll into some fun stuff and just have a discussion. Hold on one second. I got to put a, a uh, snuff in. How's your day going, man? It's going well. Yeah, it's going real well. Wake just, up and uh, start kicking butt, right? Yeah, out and about on the road here in Baltimore on a muggy day. You know what's? Hey, man, life is good, you know? All right. You ready? I'm going to go ahead and kick it off. Yep. All right, it's a beautiful day. It's time to get your head right, get your game right. With your host, Andy Dirks. Andy Dirks, the former Detroit Tiger. Now I have Casper Wells, who has played in the big leagues as well, outfielder, big, strong guy, good buddy of mine. He's got a pretty unique journey. He's got some great mental insight. He's got uh, a lot of things going for him. And now his after-baseball life is is treating him well, too, and we'll talk into some of that. Casper, great to have you on the show, man. Andy, great. Thanks for having me, man. Trying to get my uh, game right, get my mind right. It's, Good to be on here with you. It's an everyday event, you know, trying to overcome things that we deal with on a daily basis and transitions in life and all the stuff that we go through. But on a baseball, on a baseball aspect, uh, Casper wasn't, he wasn't like a first round pick. I think he went in the 14th round, uh, didn't go to the biggest college, you know, didn't really have that traditional, like this guy's going to be in the big leagues and here he is. Can you, can you walk us through a little bit of your, your journey to the big leagues? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, going from Towson University in Baltimore, a lot of, uh, it's the D1 school. So we got some good talent and we actually played with, uh, you know, Justin Verlander was pitching in the same conference as us. So we big pitchers conference. Um, but, you know, not really heard of too much. 14th round draft pick. So your chances of making it to the big leagues uh, are a little slim in comparison to, you know, top five round picks. So, you know, get drafted by the Tigers, 20 years old, go to Gulf Coast League. Um, really uh, didn't really live up to my expectations of playing rookie ball. I mean, I had a lot of you know, you're waking up eight in the morning. It's uh, you're down in the mid, in the uh, you know, golf golf coast down in the middle of the state of Florida, where humidity is a, a thousand degrees, thousand percent humidity, and and it's a thousand degrees out in the summertime, and you're sweating and practicing in full uniform. Um, and then you have to go out there and play a game at noon, and, and that was pretty much every day, you know. So uh, I had to get used to that. Um, facing guys throwing 100 miles an hour coming from from Latin America and, and trying to get just adjusted to that kind of pitching too was a big adjustment for me, but you know, just coming up. Um, I think the biggest thing was when I was young, when I was 20, I just, it was the attitude I had, you know, I think I didn't have the best attitude uh, coming out. You know, I was kind of had a developed a lot of confidence and, and had a certain uh, image of myself when I was in college and, you know, being player of the year, my conference and doing well and then going down and playing the golf coast felt like it was a step back for me. Um, but eventually you have to overcome those things and, you know, I end up playing and getting some intermittent playing time, playing next year in New York, which I'm familiar with growing up in upstate New York and playing there for a little, going through the ups and downs and really to get my opportunity till uh, I end up going back and repeating that same season in New York and getting uh, a manager by the name of Andy Barquette, which I think you had on this podcast on one of these earlier podcasts, he was my manager and really gave me a shot, um, took a liking to me and, and kind of really helped me out and probably helped, helped mold me into, uh, getting that right mindset, um, 
positive attitude and, and, and some of that drive and determination that made me successful in college and allowed me to ultimately get drafted and kind of catapulted me and in, into uh, being successful and ultimately getting the 40 man and getting into the big leagues. I think, I think most guys career have what I would call, you know, those tipping point moments of kind of either quit or figure out a way to, to do more, you know, figure out a way to excel. Uh, sometimes maybe it's a manager. Sometimes it's finding that inner drive again. Sometimes it's that motivation on these long seasons and, and understanding that, you know, I might not make it, but am I going to give it my all? I know I had one in college. Then I had one kind of that, that, that same reoccurring thing in double A. I know yours, you had a huge one from when you were in Oneana and then, then catapulted that into double A uh, to give you a lot of success. Can you talk about some of the, the thought process of, you know, when you're, when you're kind of feeling that down and out to be able to reverse that? you know, from a, a guy who maybe didn't have an opportunity and the organization wasn't high on and you're kind of on your last leg, whether we knew it or not. Looking back, I think, you know, at, at times we were both on our last leg. It was like the last card in the deck. Is this one going to be an ace, you know? Walk, walk people through kind of that emotional wild roller coaster because a lot of people don't understand that it's not just going out and playing. It's dealing with a lot of this off-the-field thought process as well. Yeah, and I think you have to you have to kind of look at it from an outside perspective, and um, and you got to realize that you have to have the joy in it, you know, because if you're not enjoying what you're doing, um, you are you're not going to be successful, and that's in all facets of life. I mean, any job you have, I like to think of baseball as a microcosm for life. So you're going to have your ups and downs on a daily basis, which in terms of the season is like your year, uh, pretty much. And now being in a sales role, it's more evident than ever. Um, that you're going to have your peaks and valleys, and it's just how you overcome those certain answers, uh, obstacles and, and those those tribulations and trials and certain uh, adversities that you deal with on a daily basis and the positive mindsets you bring into those are what's going to ultimately um, determine your outcome and, and how successful you are. So in relating that to things I had to overcome when I was playing in, when I was playing um, in Oneana, um, like I said, Andy Barquette, you know, he, he helped me kind of shape my attitude a little, a little better and, and um, had me focus on some things and, and really just breathe positivity into me. I mean, I think in the fact that I could hit the ball pretty far and hit a lot of homers and had power and, and had some good outfield skills, I think, I think uh, allowed me to stick around longer than I would, I would hesitate to say some other players just because they saw there's potential there. Um, the reason why I didn't maximizing that potential initially um, is just because of my attitude, 100. Mm-hmm. Um, so, with that, it's just it's important to always maintain a positive attitude and not put an onus on you all the time. You know, be a good teammate, which is something that you and me have, have always been good on, and that's why we were as successful as we can be because we picked each other up. You know, mm-hmm. we were good teammates. We had we had fun. Um, anytime something came down, like you, you were you were big in that aspect by being like, hey, man it's all right, you know, go out there and give them tomorrow, you know, sun comes up tomorrow, you know, things like that. And um, yeah. those are the things that you need to hear sometimes. Um, and Andy Barquette was a big, a big coach and a big instrumental and kind of helped my development um, and give me an opportunity to play. Obviously you need to play. Um, you know, I was playing intermittently the year prior and I just wanted to play more and more and, and know that, you know, when you're not getting better, when you're sitting there, it's not like football where you can kind of like, you know, learn the learn the playbook and come in there like, you know, and Tony Romo or all the stories and Drew Brees and and, uh, you know, Tom Brady who came in after injuries to Drew Bledsoe and uh-huh. have success because they've been studying the playbook. Baseball, you need to be out there and play, you know. So 
when I was with Andy and played Noniana for a second time up in New York, I, I got an opportunity to play every day. And that just, you know, allowed me to be comfortable. I'm back home where I'm from, you know, my family will be there um, and see me. It's only an hour away from where I grew up. So I have a lot of friends around, a lot of support and, you know, um, getting an opportunity to play really and seeing that I had the capability of being successful uh, from the positivity, positivity from the coaches and everything allowed me to, to really maximize on my potential. Um, and that's just something any good boss or any good uh, manager or someone in that position needs to do for their people under them is kind of build them up and stay positive. Um, and then just allow them to allow them to let their potential come through from positivity. Yeah. The, so I didn't uh, backstory on me and Casper is we played together in double A. We played together a little, not much in triple A because you're already in the big leagues and then in the big leagues together as well. But I knew Casper in double A when he would already kind of come over this hump. And he was a guy that always brought energy, always brought a positive attitude and excitement. Great, fun guy to play with. And I think we fed off each other a lot in that way because uh, I, I think I actually got called up when you broke your hammy. Didn't you? Break Is that when it was? I, yeah, you broke your handmate. I went from high to to double A, stayed there. Then you came back on the team, and that's when we started playing together after you healed up from your your handmate surgery. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then we kind yeah. of hit it off because we do kind of we did approach that's it right, the same yeah. way. The funny thing was, a lot of people in our positions, and we played with other guys that were kind of you know a little bit more vindictive towards one another in the outfield, thinking they're trying to steal my spot, they're trying to do this. And I think we both just realized we're just going to go out there, play our game, maximize our potential. And if it's good enough, the chips are going to fall. And we ended up both yeah. both being in the big leagues at the same time. So, you know, when, when you're thinking about teammates and you're thinking about a structure, it's good to have some competition on the team. You know, because every time Casper did something well, I wanted to go to strive and do more. And I'm sure it was vice versa for you. But I wanted you to do well because that pushed me harder. Yeah. And when everybody was playing well and we were having fun, like uh, that that year in Double A when we had a, the monster team and just killing everybody, then everybody got called up and you guys left me there to lose a bunch of games. Uh, <laughs> that was a different story. But it's so cool to see when a, guy, a a group of guys come together and kind of become a unit, how successful the individuals end up being that were part of that you know camaraderie and that 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 good aspect of baseball. Yeah, right. I, I mean, and for, in fairness to us, I think, you know, the fact that you're left-handed and I'm right-handed, it wasn't that direct competition. Like, yeah, we played the same position, but, you know, That's I true. mean, if you were right, if you were, if you were right-handed and everything, it might've been a little different story, but, um, but yeah. So, what, so that... as, so it's funny, as I'm, as I'm talking to you, I am, I'm getting uh, pulled over by Baltimore State Police for some reason. So okay, okay. Well, we might have to cut because Casper just got <laughs> pulled over by the popo, uh, and I hope you don't get a ticket <laughs> being on the show. If you do, I'm sure I can find somebody out there. Maybe I have a, maybe I have a tail light. Maybe I have a tail light. I, I, maybe they want to say hello to you, Andy. So um, it could I'm be. Like, yeah, I'm on the podcast with Andy. Um, yeah, so I don't know what you want to do. If you want to cut this thing and start over, I don't, yeah. I don't know how this, this works. Is, but... This is real life. This is real life. Hey. Just hey guys, this happened. So we're... with that police officer, uh, just text me when you're done. Call call me. We'll get you right back on and see how it went. All right. All right. Good oh, luck, it's a, it's a late. It's a lady. Okay. I'm good with a lady. So wish me luck. All right. Thanks, Casper. I'll talk to you in a bit. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks.
Nothing can stop this guy. Nothing. I just blew a couple kisses and said, hey, baby, I'm recording with Andy Dirks. And she was like, oh, oh, all right, all right. Well, just fix your taillight and be on your way. I'm like, all right, thanks. So Perfect. we're back. All right, cool. <laughs> so we, we were talking about some of the team aspects. This is real-life stuff. Casper just got pulled over. Uh, we're going to run this in, and you'll see. But that's real-life stuff that happens. Uh, he's not letting it ruin his day, if you notice. He's actually <laughs> excited about it and happy about it, which it, it just speaks volumes to the way he perceives life and why, why he's successful. Let's go into a little bit, Casper, about uh, you're a big, strong guy. Uh, you're, you got power. Your role uh, and your, your great outfielder had a great arm as well. Uh, mechanically, you know, I know guys dissed your swing, and you had told me this in the past. And they, was, it a, was it something where they were, you felt like they were always trying to fix you and instead of just kind of letting you go do your thing at some point? Or what, what, what was that like with your swing as far as, you know, what guys thought of it versus results? Uh, when I first got, when I first got drafted, they immediately changed my swing. I think, uh, that's just something that they do to guys that aren't first five round picks. They were just like, Oh, we got to change this guy. You know, I mean, uh, I see you have power, but you're, you're I had a, like a wide, at, wide stance and, you know, I was just, I wasn't maximizing on how I was hitting and, you know, ultimately got me standing up straight and getting a leg kick and, you know, they, they like to mess with you. So it was just like kind of the peaks and valleys of, of people messing with you and determining what works for you and not you really at, at a point you take advice from the coaches because they've been there. Toby Hara played in the big leagues, had a lot of success. Mm-hmm. Some of our other coaches that we had, Glenn Adams, um, you know, coach G there. Um, but, you know, we've had coaches, uh, Larry Herndon, you know, I mean, a lot of coaches mm-hmm. that have had success. Um but at the end of the day, you got to determine what's going to be best for you because you're going to be the one in the batter's box. You're going to be the one in there. They're not standing in the batter's box with you telling you what to do at any certain moment. So in that respect, you got to you got to be the one knowing what you're doing in the box and uh, putting that work in to make yourself feel comfortable in there when the pitcher's throwing 90 plus at you. So um, I think the power is there. I always really had the mindset that I was going to hit a ball out of the ballpark. I wasn't trying to hit home runs, but I just knew that I wanted to hit a ball like through the, I'd focus on right center or, you know, opposite field or to center field and really just tried to look for a ball that I knew I could drive out of the ballpark every time I was up. And that probably led to my, made my batting average being down as such. Um, but those were kind of some of the focuses I had when I was, when I was up there at the plate because I knew I had to take, take advantage of some of my skill set. I knew power was a big thing that got me there and I had to keep going with that. So, um, yeah, so those are some of the things that I focused on is maximizing my power and looking for pitches that I knew I could hit the best and hit uh, for that power that I was looking for. Yeah. So on top of your power, you're also an exceptional outfielder. And I think that people don't really talk about that as part of Casper Wells' game, but it definitely is one of the reasons that you made it to the big leagues, you know, because relying on your stick alone isn't going to get you where you want to go, especially in the outfield. you got to be able to play that position. What are things in the outfield? Because you shag balls like a madman. You'd get after it. What are some things that you focused on uh, to, to maintain and help you become a great outfielder? Yeah, um, and I think when I first got drafted, I, I didn't play a lot of outfield. So I pitched in college, so I would pitch and DH and play first base sometimes and play just outfield intermittently maybe a handful of times in, in my time that I was there. Um, but they needed a position for me. They drafted me as an outfielder. 
Um, and when I really got to, I was kind of, I had raw skill set in the outfield when I got to rookie ball. And I don't know if college or playing more in college would have made that any better. I think it's just, you know, learning the learning. Quick cut out. We'll do that. You can hear me? Yeah. Um, so learning from professionals, uh, like Gene Roof took me kind of under his wing. It was kind of, um, having me do a lot of things extra in the outfield, um, to get me up to speed. And I pride myself on being good. Cause I didn't want to be embarrassed out there. There's a couple of games or balls hurt with my head, or I make a wrong move when I was in rookie ball. And, and when you're in rookie ball, those are the time to make those mistakes. So I knew like, mm-hmm. as I got up, there's more fans, bigger crowds, and I didn't want to do anything that made me uh, feel embarrassed and not look like prepared. So that's why I was, I shagged like a madman during batting practice. I felt like that was the best opportunity for to simulate a game and how the ball is going to come off the bat. And I really pride myself on, you know, running those things out, um, getting good jumps on the ball and good reads because those things would translate into the game. And it would ultimately allow me not to have to think about things. I could just be an athlete out there in the outfield um, and just run those routes uh, and, and get to the ball get to those balls I know I can get to from the work I put in during batting practice. And you had a great arm too. Obviously you're a pitcher in college and, but you learned how to, and a lot of guys with great arms don't always know how to utilize it in the outfield. Uh, I could remember, you know, you throwing guys out. Is there any, is there anything in particular that you would focus on uh, when to use your arm to the maximum advantage, you know, cause you want to use every tool that you have. And I've seen guys with great arms that just can't throw anybody out. I think a lot of it's a mindset. Um, I have that mindset that and it's anticipation too. I'm out there in the outfield. So for example, I'm playing right field, I batter up, he smokes one down the first baseline. I'm trying to run after that ball as fast as I can. And, and I'm thinking the whole time I'm going there, like you're not getting the second base. And then I come mm-hmm. up with it and everything foot wise and footwork wise and everything's there. And then you just let your athletic, let uh, athletic ability take over and make that throw to second base. Um, you know, we did a lot of work on infield, outfield, again, making sure those one hop throws were hitting the bases and stuff. But when it's game time, it's just a mindset, you know, guys on second base, I'm like, all right, if they had a hard, hard ground ball through this hole, I'm, this guy isn't scoring. I'm going to throw him out. And I think a lot of that is what's really important when you're out there in the outfield. And that's something that I kind of instill in kids when I'm doing kids camps and things of that nature, even college kids, you know, I call any kid that's younger than me, a kid, basically that's still playing this game. So any any kid that's that's playing this game, I, I let them know in the outfield, like, hey, it's a mindset out here. You know, you're not just out here lollygagging, and then the balls hit to you. You got to know where you're going when the balls hit. That way, when you're out here, you can just be an athlete and let that happen. And then, you know, you have a good enough arm to throw people out. You'll you'll know what you're capable of doing. I knew I had a good arm that could, I could, you know, kind of slow down on the ball a little, kind of bait runners sometimes, even in the running. Um, mm-hmm. I just knew I knew mm-hmm. what I was capable of doing. That just comes from practice and doing it a bunch doing infield outfield Detroit Tigers were big on that you know we do it even when we're playing you know doubleheader games we do infield outfield like twice a game you know yep. we did it so much I felt like my arm was gonna fall off sometimes but that allowed me to know what what I was capable of doing and allowed me to practice those throws at those bases and you know they would play out in the game and I'd feel feel confident enough to throw those guys out yeah knowing what you're gonna do before the ball's hit in all the different situations that's a game changer when you're when you're playing a, a position, because then, like you said, it takes off that pressure. You already know what you're going to do with the ball that's hitting the gap. You already knew what you're going to do with the ball that's hit in front of you. 
over your head if there's a runner going to be tagging if you you know you make a nice play in the gap but you got to get it in because the guy might try to tag from first whatever it is knowing that helps your game so much and then for me because I didn't have the as good arm it was average to you know whatever but I could still throw guys out by closing the distance you know still getting a good jump closing the distance taking good angles that was always my big thing is understanding and the only way you do that is by shagging balls understanding your footwork and things like that yeah absolutely and I would always shag I would I would be in a little further and no one better than Miguel Cabrera when I'm playing with the Tigers and I'm playing right field there's gonna be those are the toughest balls hit when an opposite you know Mm -hmm. when the someone's batting and say you're playing left field and the lefty's hitting one the opposite field just because the ball is hooking so hard towards the line. Those are going to be the hardest balls for you to shag. So when Miguel Cabrera is out there, I play a little more shallow because I know that no one's going to hit, no right-handed hitter is going to hit any tougher balls to shag or to, to field in the outfield than this guy. So when he got up, I took pride in like moving in a little. If there's balls over my head, knowing which ones I can get to when he ropes them, knowing those ones on the line that I'll be able to run to get. Because, you know, if I could field him and catch some of those balls that seem difficult, then I can catch anyone in the game that's hitting ball from right field or a right-handed hitter hitting at the right field. So, um, again, those are the things that allow me to feel comfortable when I go out there. A lot of times coming up, I'd be doing, I'd be a defensive replacement before I was a hitter. So I'd be filling in for Maglio or Donez, and that was my opportunity to get out there in the game. And I want to make sure I, you know, maximize my opportunities when I'm at the big league level, obviously, you know, to – ensure that I, I stay there for an extended period of time, you know, and I'm not messing up in the outfield. And, you know, I didn't have the highest average and everything. So sometimes my defense would allow me to, to get those at-bats and get in the games, you know. So mm-hmm. you got to take advantage yeah. of those opportunities. But challenging yourself in the practice is important. And I, I love how you just said, you know, I'd move up because I did the same thing. Because coming in on the ball uh, is naturally a little bit easier. You know, it's it's easier to – because you might just freeze, but when you're running forward, it's easier than, you know, taking a drop step, working your angles on balls and things like that. And then also challenging yourself to see the, the flight of the ball and actually work on going back on balls, understanding what the tail's going to be, what the hook's going to be. Those are pivotal points that make great outfielders. Uh, you see a lot of guys that shag, they don't take it as serious. They're standing close to the warning track. They're, they want to catch the, the, the lollipops, yeah. right? So challenge yourself in any practice situation. And what that did for Casper is allow him, when he got in there and that ball was hit, he's going to make the play. It just becomes habit. It becomes instinct. It's not too hard for him to do. I see a lot of guys, young guys, and even guys in the big leagues, when balls are hit like that, like the ones you're describing, they panic. You know, that panic sets in and they start looking funny and they start spinning around in circles. Uh, It's because they haven't been working on that okay, acceleration, go, don't panic, just run over and catch the ball, right? Yeah, and um, it, the, it just makes you feel comfortable when you're in a game setting. And being at that high of a level, you know, with fans and, you know, television and lights and just all the, all the external elements that can make you panic, just allow – if you work that hard in practice, it'll just allow you to feel that much more relaxed when it comes to the game and that much more prepared. I mean, look at someone like in, in relation to another sport, like Jerry Rice in practice, mm-hmm. he didn't slow down in practice. He's one of the best wide receivers that ever played a game. If arguably the best, um, 
but he would just he would every time he catch the ball, he, you know, they do run throughs and he'd be running to the end zone. So he's like, oh, this is what I do. I, I run the end zone, you know, like on every play. He yeah. just wouldn't stop. So when you get in the game and nothing changes, you know, but that's just a small example of things that you do in practice. You know, I mean, you were talking about practice here, but still like those things will allow you to feel uh, feel comfortable and confident when you go into the game and allow you not to think about things, which is ultimately what you want. You know, you prepare when you're, when you're hitting, you look at a pitcher, look at how he pitches, maybe visualize how you, how his pitches look the night before. So that way, when you get out there, you know, do it before the game a little. So when you get out in the game, you're not thinking about it. You've already kind of seen it. You already kind of lived through it. You kind of practice all these things and visualize them. So you can go out there and just be an athlete and let the game, let the course of the game just play itself through. Um, and ultimately just, you know, that's, that's, that's how I feel that you become most successful. Mm-hmm. So don't take the Allen Iverson model. No. We talk about practice. Come on, man. We ain't talking about the game. <laughs> well, yeah, he and he might have taken his skill set for granted. You know, he had a lot of skills that That's maybe a, he he probably could it. have been playing a lot longer and you know had a lot more accolades had it had he had a little different mindset. But he just his talent outweighed a lot of his work ethic. Instead, and I'm not saying he didn't work hard, but just some of his maybe yeah. the mental side of Definitely. it didn't allow him to be the Kobe Bryant or the, you know, any, anyone else in that situation that, that got to play for an extended period of time. Nobody talks about him as being one of the greatest basketball players of all time. No, just being, and he yeah. had some serious skills. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so let's go on the football thing. Cause you're a huge football fan. Absolutely. He loves the game. What, what draw you to football as far as uh, your passion for it as a fan? Um, it, it literally it happened like once I got drafted for baseball. So I grew up in upstate New York. I was a huge Yankees fan. You know, Yankees Red Sox rivalry right now actually is pretty relevant. So um, and I know Andy Barquette's one of the bench coaches, right, with the Red Sox. So this is all coming full circle. Yeah, assistant assistant hitting coach. Right yeah. Now, yeah. So um, so yeah, I mean, I grew up a Yankees fan, and then when I got drafted, it's like, well, I can't be a fan of the Yankees. Like I'm not. They didn't draft me, you know. I mean, if they drafted me, maybe I'd be a fan of them still. But you know, they're not paying me, so I'm a, I'm a Tigers fan. Uh huh. Yeah. And my family had the same mindset, so I'm like, well, you know, it's off season, and and I just was like, all right, well, I'm gonna become a huge, bigger football fan even than I was before. So I'm a New York Giants fan. Unfortunately, yeah, they've been pretty heartbreaking the last couple of years, um, <laughs> especially Sunday. I got a 63 yard field goal kicked on us. Um, that, that, that'll pretty much throw a wrench in your Sunday. Um, but, yeah. but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I became a big Giants fan. They ended up winning the, win the Super Bowl as underdogs 2007, you know, a couple of years after I got drafted. So, you know, I locked on, then I get, get another Super Bowl a little shortly after that beating Tom Brady twice. And yeah, I just been following the Giants. It's been up and down more, more downs and up really. Uh, but we, we got some, we got some players on that team with Odell and Saquon um you know Landon Collins got got some good players in that team so I look forward to it. I just like I just like love football Sundays you know it always reminds yeah. me of like off season with baseball you know baseball in itself can be a little you know, stressful going out there every day and competing and stuff you know so having that lull of the off season you know maybe get my workouts done and then hanging out on Sunday watching football um I don't know just the fall I just grew up and I love fall weather I love the smells the the pumpkins and the the spices and the, the holiday season and my birthday's in the middle of November or the end of November around Thanksgiving time. So it's always like a good time of the year for me. And football is just, just right around that time period. So I just latch on and, 
and just uh, you know i feel like football brings people together too you know baseball yeah baseball does in a sense but it's a little different i feel like football is it's just a little uh it's, it's kind of like america's thing you know um Mm-hmm. I talk about baseball being America's pastime. Well, football is America's sport, you know? Um, so yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. And it's, and you know, I know different parts of the country have different takes on football, more college driven, but I grew up in upstate New York where the only, I mean, you got Syracuse, but it's more mainly basketball and not really big college football influence. So I'm kind of, kind of Notre Dame fan just because there's always on TV, um, but not big time, not like I am NFL, but yeah, a big NFL football fan. It, I I always go back to most successful people, pretty much everyone that I've ever interviewed or, or had the privilege of doing this stuff with, they have something else outside of what they do, whether it's business or sports, that they really, really enjoy. You know, so it's kind of like I enjoy doing this, but it is my work. And then they have something like for me, it was bow hunting. You know, I yeah. love to bow hunt in the fall, the off season. It was the same thing that you, you just described for football, but mine was bow hunting. Yep. You know, you got you got other guys who they like to play guitar, other guys, uh, you know, they have different hobbies, things that they're the funny thing is they're really passionate about them. <laughs> and I think for anybody that's that's listening, it's good. It's healthy. It's good to have something outside of that, that straining. I got to get better at this every day as kind of your your go to for your enjoyment, you know, that you're just it, you're doing it for pure enjoyment and, and the love of it. And I think breeding a quality life. Like you said, every fall, like you're looking forward to it. it. It gets you excited. It breeds that that quality of life into your soul. And that's huge on the grand scheme of life. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to have an outlet. I mean, everyone has their hobbies and things that they do. Yeah, like you said, guitar, bow hunting. And a lot of those are the off season. I would say, you know, like I like I touched on, like I said earlier, it's a little less stressful. Um, you know, baseball just in itself, it's just it just um, is a stressful thing to be out there, especially with a sport where you could be such a dominant player and be so, so good. And I mean, look at someone like Mike Stanton, you know, I mean, like that guy is unbelievable. Like one of the strongest, the best hitters we are, you know, like can hit the ball 5,000 feet and, you know, just the crushes, crushes balls. And I played against him in the minors. So I got to see it right up and close and personal as he's coming up, but the guy crushes mm-hmm. the baseball. And he could have a he could have a game where he goes over four or four strikeouts, and it's like, geez, like you know, in other sports, I don't feel like it's it that it's that much as, as it is in baseball, because like, a pitcher, a great pitcher, can dominate a great hitter in any day, and vice versa. So, you know, in that regard, you fail. What I'm getting to is that you fail so much in baseball that you have to be even overly confident to a fault to where it even comes off like you have to just. There's so much negativity within the game that you just have to be overly positive person and that way it'll just kind of keep you at like you know homeostasis for your overall mood so um but it's helped me out you know i'm just like yeah i'm great you know like even though in my mind i'm like so pissed right now and like i'm i'm not feeling that confident but you know you you fake it almost so you make it but that also plays Mm -hmm. if you say that out loud enough and and have that positive mindset it will play forth and you'll feel confident you won't have that stress on you and you won't have things that'll build up inside of you. So that's why it's important, you know, and I say my, baseball is a microcosm for life. For those little negative things that come up on a daily basis, like take a breath, you know, someone cross, cuts you off while you're driving and you're getting all pissed off and you feel your heart rate, rate you know, it happens a lot in Baltimore, believe me here. I mean, <laughs> drivers are terrible. Um, but 
you know, you feel your heart race a little and you get angry, you know, just like take a breath and like, you know, like when you pull over, just close your eyes for a second, take a couple of deep breaths, get your breathing down and just like breathe out, focus on something. And it's like, Hey man, was it, why am I mad? It's like, all right, enough of those negativity things build up on a daily basis. And that's why people are so stressed out when they come home, you know, it's just, if you're able to understand the triggers and understand where you're at from a mental standpoint, I think that's set that puts you way ahead of the game. And that's true for life or sports in general, just knowing when, knowing when you need to be positive and knowing when you need, there's negative things that come in, being able to block those things out. And I think that's what attributed to a lot of my success playing is that I had like blinders on. I was so locked in and, uh, and there's many times where people were like, wow, you're so focused. Even people I haven't seen for a long time are like, well, I've never seen you so focused and like locked in. It's, it's really great. And um, like, I'm happy for you, you know, and I didn't notice it. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but like, it, it's, it's something just keep on breathing positivity and, and, and blocking out negativity. And it goes through to your friends or coworkers or people surrounding you too. surround yourself with positive people. Like I did with Andy when we were playing ball, you know, we build each other up and kept each other positive. And as a result, we both made it and achieved it to the highest level um, of our, you know, respective crafts and playing baseball, you know, made it to the top 1%. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to do that same thing now in life. And, uh, you know, that's, that, that's where we're at. So you're doing cool things, uh, right now. Casper's building a business. He, he works full time. Uh, do you sell, do you sell pharmaceuticals? Uh, medical device, uh, durable medical, equipment. medical devices. Yeah. yeah. So that's his, that's his full-time job. And he's also building another business, which is really cool. It's an employment consulting firm for former athletes making that transition from, you know, playing professional sports into quote unquote, the real world of employment. Can you, can you just talk a little bit about, you know, may, maybe where the concept came from and then and explain it a little bit? Sure. Um, so uh, my business partner, my, uh, his name's Hunter Schwartz. He lives in my apartment complex and I'd run into him in the hallways and we'd chat a little, we befriended each other and we're, and we're talking and, found out I played baseball and he's a big sports fan. And uh, so we became good, good buddies. And uh, he just basically asked me, um, so when he got done playing, like, what was it like? Like the, the transition out, like, or like, did they help you find a job or did like, what was that like? And I was like, no, nah, they, they were just like, Oh, well, thank you. And like, good luck. <laughs> and yeah. it's just very similar to, and from what I'm told is, is in like a military capacity where it's kind of like, thank you for your service. And, um, like good luck out there. There's not really, I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of companies that are helping military guys, uh, helping former military find jobs. And, but you know, he, he's been Hunter's backgrounds in the, uh, in recruiting and, um, and he's been, uh, placing a lot of people in various positions throughout the last, you know, five to 10 years of his life. And, um, so when he talked to me, he's like, well, he's like, well, why don't we do that? And I was like, we, I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, why don't we help guys get jobs then? There's no one that's doing it. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, all right. And that's kind of where that thing was born, where this job was, where his company was born. Uh, Major League Consulting is the name of it. Um, it's definitely in a startup phase now. We're finding some difficulties in trying to get companies on board. Really, ultimately, we want to help guys out, you know. And I think what we want to do is just kind of help guys find jobs and, and build the kind of build, build up our. Uh, you know, our equity and some of the, and, and, and actually placing guys. So that way we'll have a little more um, ammunition when we're going to talk to the major league players association, which I already talked to Tony Clark and the players alumni association, talked to Steve Rogers there who heads a career transition program. I actually talked to them a bunch, but I talked to them down in 
DC for the uh, All Star Weekend. I was I went down there because it was close to Baltimore and chatted with them. And uh, the Alumni Association is doing like a career transition program with players. Um, hasn't taken off too much, but my goal and my hope is to be a very intricate part of that process. Not only helping major league guys because that's what the level they're doing is helping those guys, but I think minor league guys need it the most. You know, they're coming out. Yeah. And I don't think people realize, um, you know, they're making minimal money or coming out. A lot of them are getting partial degrees, um, you know, because they're coming out their junior year, don't have their full degree, um, you know, and they'll play, they'll play ball. They'll be like 20, you know, maybe 24, 25. Some of them get released. And it's like, well, what do you, what do you, they don't really know any other options but playing baseball. Now, some guys have mm-hmm. an idea of what they might want to do, but. You know, from the majority of the guys that I know, they, they're like, oh, I don't really know what I want to do. And a lot of them resort to either, you know, keeping it within baseball, coaching or giving lessons or doing things. There's nothing wrong with that. But my goal is to ultimately put people in a position to have options and be like, look, this is what this job entails. This is where I think your skill set from what you learn playing ball, you know, all the work ethic and all the, you know, overcoming adversities and and your, your willingness to and your ease to learn and adapt to things and. Um, all those things can translate into being successful in, you know, this type of sales role or this, this industry. And that's ultimately where I want to get to. Um, the difficulty is getting a little generating revenue now and, and, and from companies that want to take a chance on us. Um, mm-hmm. I'd be like, look, let me give you candidates. Cause I've had a bunch of guys that need help and it's just more so getting the companies to link up with us. And I think that's true of anything starting out. So plan on moving yeah. out to Arizona. I'm in Baltimore now. Um, but I'm planning on moving out to Arizona. Uh, my business partner also is in, in probably June time. Um, plan is to be in every clubhouse that next spring training, not this one coming up, but the following, talking to guys about what we do um, and trying to trying to help guys out. Hopefully we get enough business relationships by then that we can have jobs like with companies like this is a good opportunity for you. This is what it entails. And that way we can streamline this and help help a lot of players uh, get some jobs and allow them to be successful beyond the game of baseball and give them confidence that they'll be able to, you know, support their family and do something and, and love something like they did baseball. And that was the biggest thing for me. I just felt like, I don't know if I'm going to like love doing anything as much as I did baseball and, you know, in helping other players, I think that that's my true passion. I want to help guys out that, that had that feeling that I had when I was playing in Iowa and got released from the Cubs and was like, man, I don't know. And then I'm playing independent ball and, and knowing my career was kind of coming towards an end, it's a, it's a tough feeling to deal with, man. It's really, 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 uh, really deflating from an ego standpoint. And and I, I don't want it to allow, I don't want it to allow that. I don't want to allow that to happen to other players. I want to nip that before mm-hmm. it gets to that point and get that confidence into something else and have them keep going so they don't have to meet that that point where they're having a tough time because it was so tough for me. I don't know if you experienced any of that for a little bit of time when you got done playing, they have the post baseball kind of depression that I've heard from some of my other guys that I play with. Um, but I don't know if you experienced that yourself. Yeah, I definitely did. I, in the best way I can describe it, it's kind of like you're mourning the loss of something very important to you. And it is a mourning stage. Like I didn't even watch hardly watch baseball for a year after I was done. Once, once it really set in after my second back surgery that I'm not playing anymore because the amount of effort and time and energy and focus and that you put into baseball and then your love for it and your understanding of it and all this stuff that you've acquired over a long, hard fought process, it basically just comes to an end. 
and everybody, every single person's career comes to an end at some point. Some of them are in high school. Some of them play 20 years in the big leagues. But at the end of the day, everybody's going to be done at some point. And it doesn't, the, the funny thing is, it doesn't matter whether you made uh, $200 million or you made a dollar, you know, on the professional level. The, I think that, that loss of the game takes time. It takes time to get over. Uh, the way I approached it and uh, was I took all that same time and effort and energy and focus, and I, I put it into my real estate business. So it was something that wasn't baseball related, but then also I'm gaining skills because the last thing I wanted to do was go into a, a workforce where there's a 22-year-old who has no life experience, and I'm 30 with a ton of life experience, and I'm below him. You know, that was my that's like a panicking feeling for me to be to say, man, I've been working hard. I've been getting after it. Here's my here's my credibility. These are my credentials. They might not be in a in a software development stage or they or, or they might not be in this business or this business. But I guarantee if I just do the exact same thing and take that same time and effort and energy and apply it to something different, I will catch up and exceed them very quickly. And I went with it with that approach. Like, I'm not going to let other people beat me. Just because they've been doing it longer, just because they've been in it longer means nothing to me. And, and, and that gave me relief. So I focused on that. And that's when the whole kind of get your game right concept had started developing. Because really that year, the cool thing was I got a chance to kind of look back and really kind of analyze my career and when things that helped me, things that hurt me, uh, other guys that helped me, other experiences that I saw other guys going through. And I'm like, I have an absolute ton of knowledge in this stuff. And I want, well, I want to give that knowledge to other guys who want to go succeed at that level, right? Who want to go and play. And then now you're doing the, okay, we did that. Now how do we get them to do the same thing on the other end? I think it's really cool how as much as, you know, it hurts when you lose that, that we're still, we, I think it's that positive, that energy of always moving forward, regardless of the circumstance, there's still part of us that's in it. You know what I mean? Like our heart and our soul is still in that baseball world, whether we like it or not. It's you're never going to strip it away. Yeah, it's, it's definitely still there. And I and I felt since I, you know, so when I got done playing, I went right back to school and got my degree because I wanted to keep moving. Like you said, it's important not to be in stalemate mode and keep moving forward. And 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 then you, as you're moving, you kind of figure out what you want to do or what things and you take bits or pieces from different advice that you're that you're that you've gotten from from close uh close friends of yours or family members and and piece those together into where you're doing so like my roommate in college said he's an orthopedic surgeon at temple university um an orthopedic doctor team doctor with the temple football team and, and the baseball team and he was like yeah i think you should go into med sales you know like i, I just I, I could see you doing that and i was like all right well i'll go into med sales you're a doctor so you know listen to you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so uh, that's that's where I'm at in med sales. And then I bring it up to people like, yeah, Ryan said you going to med sales. And people are like, oh, yeah, you can make a lot of money. And I'm like, oh, money. OK, cool. You know, I mean, obviously, that's, <laughs> that's a driving force initially is like, oh, OK, I can make money here. It's not, you know, because you're not going to go to a job where it's like, oh, you're not going to make a lot of money. But I love it. And it's like because you're used to making a certain certain amount of money, yeah. especially playing at a big league level. You're, you're used to certain things. And I think that's good that I got to experience that because I know. I know what it takes to get to that point and to be successful there. And I, and I know what some of those things entail. Um, but uh, I kind of lost track a little bit with talking about that, but 
but yeah, it's a, it, a fair shift to what you're saying is, you know, moving forward in, in that direction and keeping, keeping moving is, is something that's really important to do. Um, yeah. And I let you take over because I forgot what I was going to say. I got, got sidetracked. So, well, I just don't want you to get pulled over by the police again. No, I'm parked. I'm one, parked one, now. One. I make sure I park so that way I can <laughs> get pulled put, over again. Put that thing in park. Uh, <laughs> we're getting ready to finish up here, but we got Casper Wells on the show. His his consulting company is it's Major League Consulting, correct? Yes. Major League Consulting. Is there a, a email address? If there's somebody out there listening who is having a little bit of trouble uh, uh, finding job placement or maybe just thoughts and ideas, is there an email address or something they can get a hold of? Well, hopefully there are some companies there that want to give me a chance so I can – I got some good candidates. I got a bunch of resumes here and, and throughout uh-huh. various parts of the country. So hopefully there's uh, people listening there that uh, well, are hiring managers. If you're a business or, owner. Yeah. If you're a business owner and you're looking for uh, people who are highly motivated and can be extremely good at what you want them to be good at, they just are looking for the right opportunity – uh, get a hold of Casper also. Casper, where can they get a hold of you at? Uh, Casper at majorleagueconsulting.com. Casper, C-A-S-P-E-R. Just uh, just like the ghost, yeah. The, just like the ghost. He's the friendliest ghost of them all. <laughs> He's doing amazing things. Uh, you can follow us at Andy Dirks Baseball on uh, Instagram is what we're headed towards now. So if you're not on Instagram, sign up, follow us, follow Casper. Uh, had a great career, great positive energy guy, great positive attitude. Casper, we'll let you go. Thank you so much for your time, man. And I, I'm glad that you didn't get a ticket on the show. That would have been a first. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thanks, man. Be safe on there on the road. Love, love law enforcement. <laughs> Just throw it out there. Love law enforcement. Love what they're doing. Without a doubt. Yeah. All right, buddy. Thanks for having Pro- me on. I appreciate protect it. Protect and serve. Yeah. Thanks, Casper. All right, bud. Later. Later. So that was Casper Wells on the show. Great individual. I hope that you learned something. If you have any questions, follow us on Instagram, uh, Andy Dirks Baseball, Instagram. DM us, direct message us, ask us questions. You can hit me up on Facebook, on my public figure page as well. It's an ugly mug of me in a baseball uniform. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day. Go out there with a positive attitude and rock it.